Welcome to chapter 24, Punishments and Promotions. Both boys were awake before dawn, and they had stayed up late the night before, going over the plan. But Sticky wasn't at all sleepy. Fear was keeping his eyes wide open. As he got dressed in the dark, he whispered up to the top bunk, Rainy, they didn't happen to blindfold you when you went to Mr. Curtin's office, did they? A blindfold? No. Then I guess I'll know right away if I'm going to the waiting room. That's something, I suppose. Rainy rolled over and looked down from his bunk. They blindfolded you? Why? Didn't say. Jilson just dragged me onto the plaza, put the blindfold on, and spun me around until I threw up. I mean, I literally threw up. Then she laughed and led me inside and down some stairs to the waiting room. I had to wear it when I left, too. Rainy furrowed his brow. Why would they blindfold Sticky like that? Just then, someone banged on the door. Sticky stared at the door a long moment before opening it. S.Q. Pedalion stood in the dusky corridor, eating a cinnamon roll. His mouth stuffed full, he beckoned for Sticky to follow him. The time had come. Sticky took a deep breath. Wish me luck, Rainy. Rainy nodded. Don't worry, you'll do great. Sticky followed SQ down the corridor. The dormitory was perfectly silent, save for the echo of their footsteps and the occasional gulping sound from SQ, who was munching his cinnamon roll with gusto. Then they were outside in the chill morning air where SQ stopped, licked his fingers, and, to Sticky's horror, reached into his pocket. SQ? Sticky asked in a strained voice. Am I? Am I to wait? A little longer, or? Oh, no. Mr. Curtin can meet with you, said SQ casually, pulling out a banana, not a blindfold. Now, Sticky. SQ was the only executive who ever called Sticky by his nickname, though only by accident. That is, George, allow me to give you some advice. I'm an executive, you know, and I understand the way things work around here. Glancing left and right, S.Q. lowered his voice. I like you, George. You're a nice kid and very bright. And you're an orphan, which makes you a good candidate for executive someday if you'll just straighten up and fly. If you fly straight and right... Straighten up and fly right? Yes, all of those, S.Q. said, relieved. My point is, don't blow your chances right off the bat. Whatever you do, do not admit to Mr. Curtin that you cheated. If you did cheat, I mean, I'm not saying you should lie. That's even worse. Don't admit to cheating and don't lie. You're saying my best course of action right now is not to have cheated in the past. Exactly, SQ said. Mm, that's helpful, SQ grinned. Thought it would be. Mr. Curtin hates a cheater more than anything. Otherwise, he's a genial fellow. So just keep that in mind during your meeting. The most important thing is not to admit you cheated. Thanks, Sticky said in a weak voice. His head had begun to ache. SQ's advice was exactly the opposite of Rainey's. He would have liked some time to consider his new dilemma, but in less than a minute, he was standing outside the metal door to Mr. Curtin's office. Beads of sweat appeared on his smooth scalp. What should he do? 
If anybody should know this sort of thing, it would be an executive. Yet, SQ was not the brightest bulb in the executive chandelier. Rainy, on the other hand, was very shrewd about people. And now SQ was knocking on the door. Sticky rubbed his throbbing temples. He felt on the verge, once again, of growing paralyzed. Or worse, flub-mouthed. The door slid open. SQ motioned for Sticky to enter. Whatever course he chose, he had to choose it now. Mr. Curtin sat in the middle of the cold stone room, his fingers laced together, his chin lifted expectantly. The gigantic silver-eyed spider waiting for the fly. I'm sorry I cheated, sir, Sticky declared as he went in. The door slid closed behind him, but not before he heard a shocked SQ mumbling something about the poor kid cracking under pressure. Mr. Curtin drummed his fingers on the journal in his lap, regarding Sticky with those unseen eyes. Sticky was hard-pressed not to fidget. A bead of sweat trickled down the curve of his bald head, made its way to his earlobe, and hung there, trembling. It tickled Sticky maddeningly, but he held still. Suddenly, Mr. Curtin shot forward in his chair. Sticky nearly jumped out of his shoes and screeched to a stop, with his face inches away. Do you care to explain yourself? Mr. Curtin said coolly. Sticky had memorized the speech. If he hadn't, he might never have gotten a word out. He stammered, swallowed, then began. I'm very sorry, sir. I didn't want to do anything wrong, but she put so much pressure on me. You mean Constance Contraire, I assume, interrupted Mr. Curtin with a look of satisfaction. Constance? Oh, no, sir. She's too stubborn even to let me help her with her homework. I'm sure you've noticed how stubborn she is. You notice everything about everybody, if you don't mind my saying so, sir. Hmm, said Mr. Curtin. I have noticed that. It's true. But if not Constance Contraire, then of whom are you speaking? Well, as I was saying, sir, she put so much pressure on me, and I wasn't sure what to make of it, she being a messenger and all. What? Mr. Curtin bellowed, his face instantly purple. A messenger? Snakes and dogs, all... He cut himself off and for a few moments went absolutely silent, as if trying to decide just what horrible thing to do to Sticky. Send him back to the waiting room? Fling him into a patch of drapeweed? Crush him beneath the wheels of his chair? Sticky closed his eyes. When several moments had passed, however, without his being sent, flung, or crushed, Sticky opened one eye. The color had faded from Mr. Curtin's face so that it no longer looked like an eggplant with glasses. Only the tip of his lumpy nose retained a crimson hue. And he had begun drumming his fingers again. George, Mr. Curtin said, more calmly now. Why are you looking at me with one eye? Sticky quickly opened his other eye. I, I... Never mind, said Mr. Curtin. Now, explain yourself. Are you telling me a messenger made you cheat? I'm sorry to say so, sir. It made her furious that Rainy and I were doing so well. She couldn't believe we already knew more than she did. She humiliated me in class, and later she told me she'd keep doing it, or even worse, unless I agreed to help her. 
The quizzes were so much easier if I just gave her the answers, she said. And if I did, she would make it easier for me by not tormenting me. You are speaking of Martina Crow, Mr. Curtin said. Sticky nodded. Hmm. I shall have to look into this. Your cheating doesn't trouble me much, I must say, so long as I understand the situation. The secret is control. Do you see? I simply wish to know the circumstances so that I can manipulate, that is, so that I can manage them. No matter what the circumstances, George, so long as they are controlled, we may have harmony. Do you understand? I believe so, sir. Very well. I'm sorry you had to wait to speak with me on this matter. I understand it is an unpleasant thing to wait. Unfortunately, there's no help for it sometimes. I'm quite busy. The good news is that you will not be punished. Thank you, sir, Sticky said humbly. And George? Yes, sir? You are doing rather well, aren't you? Apparently, sir. Mr. Curtin was looking Sticky up and down and nodding to himself, as if appraising a fine new piece of machinery that would come in handy. Nice work, said Constance. You're a natural liar. It was less diplomatic congratulations than he'd received from Rainey and Kate, who had cheered and clapped him on the back. But Sticky was too relieved to quibble. They were on their way to lunch trailing well behind the rest of the students so that they could speak privately in the corridors. They were all pretty pleased with themselves, not least because Martina Crow was in hot water. And now, as they approached the end of the corridor, they overheard Jackson and Jilson talking in an empty classroom. Looking at one another in silent agreement, they stopped walking to listen. Finally caught who was spying in the gym, Jackson was saying, a waste, though. He was a good messenger and a special recruit, you know. Mr. Curtin would probably have kept him on, trained him into an executive one day. I guess now he'll be retrained as a helper. Too bad, Jilson said. Shouldn't have been so average looking. What he shouldn't have been was so curious, said Jackson. The nerve of that kid, always asking questions. It's what got him sent to the waiting room last time, you know. I thought he'd learned his lesson. Apparently not, said Jilson. Any word on the accomplice? His partner in crime? Not yet. Personally, I can't see what there is to worry about, but you know Mr. Curtin. Can't be too careful, he says. We're supposed to be extra vigilant. Keep an eye out, Jackson grunted. And I guess you heard he's changing the door codes. No, again? I hate learning new codes. Tell me about it, Jackson said. Would have saved us some trouble if the kid had ratted on his partner, but he denied everything to the end. Like I said, it's a shame. Probably would have made a good executive. Quiet, Jilson said. Did you just hear something? In the corridor, the children's eyes widened. They held their breath. Only my stomach growling, Jackson said. Get your stuff together, won't you? Let's go eat. That was the children's cue to move. With relieved expressions, Sticky, Kate, and Constance hurried quietly on down the corridor. Rainey followed behind, trying to calm himself. Jackson's news had quite upset him. After they'd safely rounded the corner, Kate said, Can you believe it? 
That's two narrow escapes now. First, Dickie got off the hook for cheating. And now you're off the hook for spying, Rainy. Yeah, said Rainy, his face flushed with guilt. It's, it's great news. And now Martina's on the hook, Constance said. This might actually be a good day. By supper, the rumors were flying. Martina Crow had not been in any of her classes. Some said she was enjoying a long session of her special privileges, whatever those were. Others argued that the secret privileges never lasted this long. More likely, someone said, she'd been sent to the waiting room. A student had seen Jackson and Jilson escorting her across the plaza. Martina Crow? Going to the waiting room? Who had seen that? For this, no one had an answer. So maybe it was just a rumor. Rainey had begun to feel rather ill. It was starting to seem everything he did got someone hurt. First, he'd suggested they cheat, which landed Sticky in the waiting room. Then he'd spied through the gym window, for which some poor, average-looking kid was paying the price. Now there was this plan he'd put into effect, the plan to get Martina bumped from the messenger list. It had seemed clever at the time, but was he sure about that? For all his caution and wits, he was turning out to be a dangerous person to be close to. He looked at his untouched meal with distaste. He shoved it away and put his face in his hands. Rainy, Kate said, what's the matter? It was my plan, Rainy mumbled. Hey, if anybody deserves the waiting room, it's Martina. If anyone deserves it, mumbled Sticky, who felt every bit as bad as Rainy. He knew how terrible the waiting room was. At the very mention of it, he had broken into a cold sweat. And he had been the one to condemn Martina with a lie. It didn't matter how cruel she was. No one deserved the waiting room, not even Martina. To make matters worse, at that very moment, a hidden message broadcast began. It's that boy, Harold Rockwell, Constance grumbled to herself. Shut up, Harold. Rainy gave Constance a bleak look. It had occurred to him to wonder what would happen to her when Mr. Curtin boosted the signal power all the way. If Constance could hear voices now, what would it be like for her then? What would it do to her? Had she thought to wonder about this herself? For her sake, Rainy hoped not. If he were in her shoes, he'd be terrified. This day had gone from good to bad to worse, and from there to worse than worse. Watch your toes, everyone, Kate murmured. SQ Pedalion was squeezing between two nearby tables, where students were wincing and crying out as he passed. Rainy tucked his feet safely out of reach. SQ came up and looked appraisingly at them. Why the long faces, kids? Everything all right? The children tried to appear cheerful, so he would leave them alone. But for once, SQ judged correctly. You can't fool me. I know downtrodden faces when I see them. I'm surprised at you. Here, Stick. I mean, here, young George has got off clean and easy. You're doing great on your quizzes. And yet, the whole lot of you sits around like the cat got your pudding. Uh, the pudding. No, got your tail. No one felt like helping him, and after a moment, SQ gave up. 
He adopted a shrewd expression, which, on SQ, looked rather as if he had severe indigestion. Now don't tell me you're fretting about not making the messenger list yet. Is that it? Listen here, he said confidentially, leaning in close to them. I'll tell you a secret, because you're good eggs. You're closer than you think. Rainey nodded glumly. Is it because Martina's not a messenger anymore? SQ cocked his head. How could you possibly know that? Everybody knows, said Kate. This surprised both SQ and Rainey, who said together, They do? How? Kate pointed across the cafeteria, where Martina had just come in, escorted by Jilson and Jackson. She wore her tunic and sash, as always, but not the typical striped pants of a messenger. No, her pants were solid blue. And as the other messengers cheered and clapped, her face shone simultaneously with malevolence and triumph. Martina had been made an executive.